You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, I barely sat down in the uh, in, in a chair in the tiny little office of my friend Bruce in Adelaide. His little office is at the back of his garage. Hardly sat down. I was on my feet again. He's, he's putting plans out on the table. He said, Graham, have a look at this. As you know, we're on a big block here. He's on a one acre block. I don't know what that is in hectares, but he's, he said, we've got a big block here. He said, I've done a deal with the Churches of Christ aged care facility in, or aged care organisation in, in South Australia. They're going to bulldoze our house and they're going to build 10 units on this block. Pat and I, that's his wife, we're going to have one of them and uh, and then and, and I'm getting excited and he, he throws that scroll away and then he pulls out something from India he said you won't believe what's happening in India Graham there's some great things happening among our colleagues this man Bruce spent 28 years in India with his wife and four kids establishing an orphanage in the rural western town known as Shragonda it is still there today, operating very successfully. He devoted 28 years of his life to that. So he tells me a bit about India. And then he goes on to say, you know that trust I set up all those years ago? Remember I sold, that, I sold a warehouse down south and I set up a trust. He said, you know, if, if you're prepared to wait patiently for God, he'll unfold his plan and he'll show you how it all fits together. He said, Graham... As a result of setting up that trust, we are now giving away between thirty and $50,000 per year to various mission causes both here and overseas. And, and you know, it is exciting. And, and this guy cannot help himself. He just keeps rolling out one project after another. Now, look, for as long as I have known him, Bruce has been a dynamo when it comes to creative ideas for effective ministry, when it comes to generosity of spirit, when it comes to just passion for life. He's an amazing guy. I feel very privileged to know him. Now, you might be thinking, well, hey, Graham, you know, there's a lot of people around like this, and in your work, you probably meet lots of them. What's so special about Bruce? I'll tell you what's so special about Bruce. He is five years away from 100. He is 95 years of age. And when I speak to Bruce on the phone even, like there's a, a sparkle in his voice that's just like you, you think. And I say to Bruce, Bruce you, you know, you're, you're at a stage of life, now you're supposed to be slowing down. You know, you're supposed to be taking it easy. He is an amazing man. I mean, that, that informal meeting the other, the other month in Adelaide, which was my first with Bruce for many years, had a really deep impact on, on me actually. I told my family I've got a new aim to live to 95 because my son Cameron would be older than I am now if I do that uh, and you know who knows none of us know none of us know but I mean it's just something 95 so much this man's achieved and is achieving so much in his 95th year but isn't that how it is in life certain people cross our paths and, and by their optimism and by their faith, their courage, their resilience, their integrity, whatever it is, um, they leave an impression on us which if we allow it can actually further shape who we are if we draw from their example. Now apart from Bev, I'm probably the only person in this auditorium who knows Bruce personally. I'm not using his surname because I haven't got permission for that and we podcast all this. Uh, but I'm the only person apart from Bev who knows Bruce. But here's the thing. We all know the psalmist David. We all know this man through his writing and, and we can all be shaped and inspired 
by what we see in his writings in much the same way as I've been inspired by my friend Bruce. Look at the opening verse of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord's help. Now, friends, instantly he has our attention. Instantly. Why? Because, well, as my Bruce, as my as my friend, my Bruce. Wow, as my friend Bruce. Uh, that's short for friend Bruce. My Bruce. Um, <laughs> fantastic. We should put that in the notes. Um, <laughs> you know, he made reference to this waiting patiently for the Lord. And um, I mean, the ability to wait patiently for the Lord, that's a special gift indeed, and it's not found in many people. Would you agree? It's just not found in many people. Most of us find that to be one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian journey. Would you agree? Waiting patiently for the Lord. I mean, we don't do patience very well. But uh, it's clear from Psalm 40 that David's patient waiting deepened and enriched his experience of God, giving him a fresh awareness of God's influence and of God's power. Now, guys, when it comes to stop, revive, survive in a spiritual sense, those four words in bold up there, they are of crucial importance because they speak of a level of intimacy with God that is possible if we're, if we're willing to wait patiently for his help and guidance as followers of Jesus we desire a level of spirituality that is deeper one that enriches our lives in all areas we long for a a fresh awareness of of God's influence and power in our lives I waited patiently for the Lord's help says David you know there are essentially two types of waiting Um, there's fretful waiting and there's fruitful waiting what is the difference? Fretful waiting is the kind you experience when you're in a, uh, a checkout line at the supermarket and the person in front of you needs a price check on four items. Uh, don't you really hate that? You know? And you're in a real hurry. Price check on four. And then when the, when the, when the bill is known and it's, uh, it's $73.85, uh, the lady, oh, whoops, did I say lady? Uh, instead of giving 75, give 73. 85, got to go through the purse. Is that a lady thing? I don't know. Guys, just yeah, 75, take the change. <laughs> Ladies, beautiful management of finance, just like to get that every little bit of change out there. Which, it's nothing wrong with it, just, it means it, it just takes time. That's all. It, it just takes time. And, and you're, kind of, you know, you, you're anxious, you want to get moving, and um, that's fretful waiting. And it produces stress, it produces anxiety. And, and all of us, we all experience it in one form or another pretty much every day, on the roads, you know, in queues, no matter where. Whereas fruitful waiting, fruitful waiting involves a quiet confidence that that which we are waiting for will eventually come to pass. And even during the period of waiting, we are growing. We are developing. We are becoming stronger people classic example of this is what many of our young ladies have been through in the last 12 months and some are still going through it the process of pregnancy it's a beautiful example of fruitful waiting because uh you know um in the nine months before the arrival of a baby that can be a very special time of bonding and and closeness for a couple in love you can't rush the process everything's got if it's all on track and no complications everything happens you know in its 
in its sequence. It's an exercise in fruitful waiting. And when David says he waited patiently for the Lord's help, you get the sense, the clear impression, this was something that led to a deepening of his relationship with, with the Lord. As I said a moment ago, David's patient waiting gave him a, a fresh awareness of a number of things. Firstly, the responsiveness of God. That's the first thing. I waited patiently for the Lord's help. Then he listened. He heard my cry. Isn't it interesting that David's acknowledgement of God's responsiveness only comes after he's had the presence of mind to be patient, to be still, to really discern God's presence in his life. You notice the sequence? I waited patiently for the Lord, then he heard me. What he's really saying is that's when he was able to discern the presence of God. In difficult times, how often do we cry out to God in panic, maybe not really believing that he's going to show up anyway, and we wonder why we fail to discern that which he is already doing. He's really on our case. Things are falling into place. If only we would give it time and remain faithful in prayer. David was facing a difficult time. We don't know the details. But uh, he likens it to being in a pit of deadly quicksand. That's the, the imagery. And the more he tried to break free, the deeper he sank into the mire. But even in that dire circumstance, David became aware of the deliverance, the deliverance available from God. Verse 2, he pulled me out. He pulled me out of a dangerous pit out of the deadly quicksand. I know many of you can identify with David's imagery in this, in this passage. He's talking about a dangerous pit long before the, the phrase, the pits, uh, came into common usage. Long before the phrase, down in the dumps, became part of our vernacular to describe the anxiety and the depression that can result from the stressful times of life. God's deliverance from our problems is not always as quick as we would like it to be. Am I right? But he always works in partnership with others or he rarely works alone. That's been my experience. In other words, we trace his hand, of course, through the practical support of friends and loved ones, through the skill of the medical team when we're praying for somebody up against a health crisis, through the wise counsel of a friend of a spirit-guided, trusted friend. Boy, how many times has God worked in your life in that way? I know he has in my, in my case. And look, I, I want to share something that happened last week, and I thought about this, and I think it's really appropriate that the morning congregation know. You remember that last week that um, gentleman was here from Rwanda, Tarsus? Who met Tarsus? Quite a few of you. I want to thank all of you who, who took him under your wing and we gave him coffee. And what a, what a beautiful, dignified man he was all the way from Rwanda. He actually is one of the leading lights of the Fred Hollows Foundation in Rwanda. That's, that's what he does. And uh, we were able to take him into the city afterwards. One of our members took him into the city to a meeting. And uh, he was very appreciative of what we did. As he left, he handed me an envelope. And he said to me, Graham, God spoke to me last night. And he said, somebody today, he was quite specific, somebody today will need this. And he gave me the envelope and in his presence, I opened the envelope and there was a $100 US bill. 
and uh, momentarily I wondered if I was the person who needed that. But it was a very just a passing thought, passing. Second, just a maximum, three seconds. And uh, do you know what happened? Within minutes of that man leaving, a gentleman returned. He'd already spoken to Norman Newborn and said, I'll come back and we'll talk to the senior pastor. He had a story of down on his luck and uh, we gave him some options and those options he'd already tried and the long weekend was, was a problem and a whole set of circumstances I won't go into now and then his wife appeared and, and, and she wanted to use a bathroom and so on it was a middle-aged couple and they were pretty they were pretty much down there like and I it was just a, an awesome moment when I said to the man I said I think you are part of an unfolding miracle today because a gentleman only moments ago from one of the poorest nations in the world gave me this and said somebody today would need this and I've got no reason to doubt that that person is probably you so I mean that's amazing isn't it how God just uh, shows up in some remarkable ways in delivering people from whatever it is they're up against we have no details of who or what God may have used to affect David's deliverance but we do know that in the process David became acutely aware of the security provided by God second part of verse 2 he set me safely on a rock and made me secure now, let's, let's just pause for a touch of reality here, okay? Um, lest we're tempted to think that, that the security offered by God equates to a life of tranquility and well-being where nothing goes wrong and nothing ever threatens our safety. Let's remind ourselves that God's definition of safety and security is not necessarily the absence of danger or risk, never has been. That's not his definition of safety and security. But his definition of safety and security does involve the absence of fear and the absence of defeat. And in some of these magnificent verses, a couple of which were read by Melanie, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always. In the world, said Jesus, you will have troubles. Be not afraid. I've overcome the world. And from Romans, who then will separate us from the love of Christ? So when David talks about being safe and secure on a rock, he's not thinking of a smooth rock in a tranquil pond surrounded by water lilies. He's probably thinking more of a, a craggy rock in the middle of fast-running rapids. But once on that rock, although still surrounded by the foaming, rushing water, we're not being dragged under. That's the difference. Here's a question. Do you know that sort of security today? Do you know that sort of security today? Are you basing your faith in life amidst all the problems you have on the rock, which is Jesus? That's, our, that's the thrust of our entire message here at Northside week after week. Now, in experiencing the security provided by God, David discovered the inner peace made possible by God. Verse 3. He taught me to sing a new song, a song of praise to our God. David literally went from the mire to the choir. That's what he did because of the faithfulness of God. He started to praise God all over again with a new song that was born out of the inner peace he was experiencing. People sing many different songs in life today. 
<laughs> you hear them being sung figuratively all the time. Let me tell you some of the popular ones. Poor me. That's a popular song. And what's going to become of me? Does anybody care about me? You'll hear that one sung in many circles. And probably the most popular one, why me? That's a great song. The common word, of course, in all of these songs of life is me. But my belief is that David's new song and the new song we can all sing through faith in Jesus Christ is more along these lines. Give me eyes to see more of who you are, taking the focus off me. May what I behold still my anxious heart. Now there's a testimony of inner peace made possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and because of, what, because, because of God's love and faithfulness. It happens when, like David, we patiently wait for the Lord's help. How many nuggets of truth are contained in these first three verses? I haven't even gone in further than three verses yet. Well, there's still one more. David's patient waiting gave him a fresh awareness of the influence on others orchestrated by God himself. Look at verse 3. Many will see this and will take warning and will put their trust in the Lord. I actually prefer the, the New Living Translation. Many will see what God has done and will be amazed. And they will put their trust in the Lord. Guys, there are very few things more compelling than the evidence of a changed life when it comes to conversion. You know, you can preach the gospel, you can give out tracks, you can do classes, you can help to influence people for Christ in all sorts of ways. There are very few points of evidence more compelling than the changed life. And this is what David is talking about. You can't organize the changed life. You can't artificially create it, not consistently. It's all up to God as we do our bit to wait patiently for him and then he does the rest in terms of the transformation. Many will see what God has done and be amazed. Well, the first part of this tremendous psalm, Psalm 40, check it out this week. The first part of this psalm ends as many of David's psalms end on a note of strong praise and gratitude. Look at this, verse 4. Happy are those who trust the Lord who do not turn to idols or join those who worship false gods. You have done many things for us, O Lord, our God. There is no one like you. Now, friends, could you say that this morning? Are you waiting patiently for the Lord? Is yours a, a fretful kind of waiting involving a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress or... Is it a fruitful waiting in which the very process of waiting is growing you and strengthening you and making you into the kind of person God wants you to be? Ultimately, our response to that question, our belief in the fact that ultimately God's plan is working out, even though it sometimes takes time, ultimately our response to that question determines to a large extent our ability to stop, revive, survive. We all need that as part of our, of our journey with him. 
It's the only way for longevity. I want to still be praising the Lord and getting excited about projects at 95, like my friend Bruce, if God so wills it. And I certainly want my life to reflect the values and the spiritual components that David's sharing in Psalm 40. What about you? I hope you do. Let's bow in prayer.